Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Good, man. It's good to be with you guys uh, this morning. We're actually in week two of a series on our values as a church. Uh, last week, you got to hear from the campus pastor in Richmond, Mark Thomas, uh, share about maturity. That when the Holy Spirit moves, quote unquote, we all have this term for it, that we should take next steps in maturity. Well, we have four major values that thrive that shape our behaviors. And this is super important because in your family, you have values too. And whatever you value, you act upon, right? Like, so my family, like my wife and I got ready to get married. We talked about some values. I said, I value eating steak. She didn't. I'm serious. Y'all laughing. Like, I value NC State football. I value, you know, these certain things. And so she had values. And so now our family has actions because of those values. The same things with a church. Every church has spoken or unspoken values by which it behaves, by things that are important to it. And we narrowed it down to four major M's. Made it easy for you. Maturity. Everyone has the next step. I don't care how long you've been a follower of Jesus. I don't don't care if it's a week or 90 years, you have a next step to take. God is always moving you toward maturity. Uh, We believe in multiplication. When one becomes many, that we are called as believers to pour into other believers who pour into other believers. We're called as a church to help plant brand new churches because other churches aren't our enemy, are they? Right? The more gospel-centered churches there are in an area, the more the gospel influences that area. And I'm so glad, and we always welcome new church planters to Richmond because we want Richmond to be full of the gospel. Multiplication. We have another value called meals. And if you guys like to eat, you'll like this one if you're like me. And really what that is is sharing life together. That believers are called to not just sit in rows and listen to messages and hear music, but we're called to sit in circles. We're called to have people that we do life with regularly, and that's the value of meals. And today, I want to talk to you about probably my favorite value, if I had to pick one, is mission. The value of mission. If you have uh, your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18, as I share with you about the value of mission. Now, I'm wearing a Ramones shirt. Some of you have no clue who they are. Some of you know who they are. And I did this on purpose for this message. You're like, why would he wear a punk rock band t-shirt at church? Some of you have never seen a preacher preach in a Ramones shirt. And here's why I did that. It's very important. Because uh, if you know my story, you know that I gave my life to Jesus when I was 19 years old. I was a punk rocker with a mohawk. It was in 1999. I had piercings. I skateboarded. I didn't own a suit, a tie. Didn't own anything that you could really go to church with. Mom tried to put some clothes on me, and I, look, I looked funny because they just didn't match. It was old stuff when I was younger. And so I gave my life to Jesus. It was a radical conversion. I was someone who got kicked out of university um, because of drugs and alcohol and doing other things that I shouldn't have been doing. I was somebody who did not go to church, didn't like church, didn't want want anything to do with Jesus. And it was a radical conversion. And so when I gave my life to Jesus, here's what I did. I started writing music that reached people. Like, I didn't know there was Christian music, like a whole industry. I was like, I just listen to punk rock music, right? I'll listen to them. I'm going to write songs about Jesus that are punk rock. 
I thought it was cool. 180 beats a minute. I mean, you guys would hate it. And so what I did, the Lord blessed us, and we ended up going to the worst places in America. We would be the only believers in crowds of thousands, playing with bands who hated Jesus. One guy had a guitar strap that said, eternal life would suck. That's what it said. And he openly made fun of believers on stage. And us as well because we were believers and he hated Christians. And so for me, I was like, man, this is what it's about. Let's hang out with these guys afterwards while they're partying. And let's just strike up conversation and let's just be Jesus to them. And that's what I did. And not only that, I remember one time I walked, I was, I was in, the, in, in the church, and I walked by, and in the, I went by the church library. Every church needs a library, right? <laughs> Where dust collects and nobody ever cleans it. And so I went into the church library, and I found all these Bibles there. I was like, holy moly. I said, you know what? How cool would it be to do what Jesus told his disciples to do and walk around two by two and just share the gospel with people, pray for them, and give Bibles out? And so without my pastor's permission, I took the Bibles from in there. They didn't notice until I told him. He said it was cool anyway. But we took all the Bibles out and I invited a friend with me to go and just walk around our little town. And anybody we came in contact with while we were praying, we would just talk, just share life with them. Strike up conversations with them. Lead them to Jesus. Pray for their needs. Give them Bibles. And when the church heard about this, they, like every church, including this one, they were a good church, they still are, wanted to turn it into a program. Hey, how can we make this a program? I was like, what do you mean? Like outreach. I was like, what does outreach mean? I don't know. I'm just living out the mission of Jesus. I'm not sure what you mean by outreach, right? Like this is just what I naturally do. Like, I, I play punk rock in really bad places. And we would play the Ramon songs and the guys would love it, make a connection. We walk around, give Bibles. This is what we do. And so what happened was these well-meaning Christians wanted to make this into a program. They wanted to turn it into outreach. And over the years, here's what happened. Churchianity robbed me of mission. What is churchianity? Let me explain to you. I just came back from Ireland. Christian influence is zero there. Churchianity is that if you're in Richmond, Virginia, you're in the last buckle of the Bible belt, the Mason-Dixon line. Is that right? And churchianity is the Americanized, westernized ver version of Christianity that's really far from Scripture sometimes. Um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we, we, we believe in Jesus because grandmama and granddaddy and grandpapa and all of them believed in Jesus and they had Bibles and we do too. But what happened was well-meaning church people said the music you're playing is not godly because it doesn't sound like, you know, uh, Hosanna integrity back from the 1990s. If I remember that, I just took you back. It wasn't on wow. Remember wow? No, you don't? Good. God bless your soul. <laughs> and so they, they, they told me you can't play that type of music and be a good, holy Christian person. I'm like... But we're reaching people for Jesus. But these, and so over time, churchianity began to win. Matter of fact, I left doing all that to go do church ministry. And in church ministry, I began to realize something. It was about seven, eight years ago, right before I was moving here to Virginia, that I had lost the mission of Jesus in my life. I realized that all my friends were Christians. I went to a Christian college. Everything I did was surrounded by the bubble of Christians. And that's what I lived in. I, when I looked at being salt and light, I realized that I had no ability to do that anymore. That literally had lost the mission of Jesus doing church. 
And so in my life, what I had to do was take some steps back and really, really get focused and say, do I have any unchurched friends that are my friends that I'm doing life with? Do I have any? Do I have any gospel influence besides sitting here in the gathered church on Sundays? And the answer, my friends, was no. And what happened was I missed mission because of churchianity. And my fear for us as the American church is, is that we're going to try to turn things into programs and try to, you know, church, 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 and we're going to end up losing influence in our county, our city, our state, and our country because of churchianity. Because we've lost the value of mission. Hey, here's the value of mission. And if you have your notes ready, write this down. Or if you have your phone, you can pull that out and jot that down too. And it's this, Jesus invites us on a daily adventure called mission. Jesus invites us on a daily adventure called mission. Now, now, if your life seems boring, can I just submit to you there's a reason? You're not living on mission. Because when you live on daily mission, it's an adventure that Jesus invites us to. And not only us, but what I love is in Matthew 28, when Jesus resurrected from the dead, he spent 40 days on earth teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. That's in Acts 1, it tells us that. 40 days he hung out. And this is one of the, the charges that he gave the early disciples as he stood there with them in resurrected form. And he invites them to live on mission. Don't you look at Matthew 28, 18 with me. And I'm going to actually read from the message version. And here's the reason why. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've been a follower of Jesus any amount of time, you can quote this and finish it and you're going to check out. I don't want you to check out on me. I want to actually make this fresh in your mind. Matthew 28, 18. It says, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. Here's what Jesus said. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet. I'm going to break that down for you. Far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in, in the practice of all that I've commanded you. And I love this. And I will be with you as you do this day after day after day right up until the end of the age. It's funny that Jesus didn't say, hey, you need to understand your spiritual giftings. But that's important. We do that in next step. Shameless plug. If I've been next step, you need to do it. Discover your spiritual giftings. He didn't say you need to understand 40 days of purpose. He didn't go and say this is how you can be successful in America and your face can be on the front of a Christian book and be New York Times bestseller. He literally told them this here. Go. Go. Now, 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 English nerds, are there any English nerds that will admit that in here? Any English nerds? Okay, just one or two, good. The rest of you, okay. Well, uh, that word go there is a word that you cannot define by saying I went. When he said go, it's in the imperfect tense. If you're not an English nerd, you can be like, what is it? I'm going to get there. Here's what that means. There's no definition of when it starts or stops. It literally means go, and as you're going, 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 make disciples. Go, and as you're going, and as you're going, daily make disciples. See, Jesus invited them to live on mission. And you know what happened when they got this? It wasn't a venture. 
They took down the Roman Empire. 120 people gathered in an upper room praying, took down the Roman Empire without a sword or one battle. They took it down by an irresistible faith that the world could not deny that something had happened to them. Because they daily lived on mission. They took the words of Jesus and said, we will live these out. And they made great impact wherever they went. And so my heart for you as a church, as individuals... Don't lose the value of mission. Don't lose the daily value of living on mission. Everywhere you go, everything you do, live on mission. Look for opportunities to share this beautiful faith that we have. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to dig into that. And here's why this is important. If you miss this message today and you miss the value of mission, not only will your life be boring... Because you just want to humdrum, go through life, not realizing God's trying to get your attention to live on mission because people desperately need the gospel. They desperately need Jesus. But you can actually be involved in church, be churchgoers, love church, and be disobedient to Jesus, but not live on mission. Because that was a command he gave the disciples, didn't he? He was like, hey guys, hey, 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 look, look guys. Like, hey, he didn't say this. Hey, you know, hey bro. Like, if you want to, just go do it. But if you don't, it's okay. <laughs> Jesus didn't do that. He was like, go, and as you're going, make disciples of all nations. And that charge is to us as well. See, there's a reason that the value that we have called mission is not missions. Please don't ever say missions, plural. Because you can do mission trips. You can go do outreach programs. You can feed people hot dogs and, and deliver food to people. You can set up bounce houses and do good things. But you can do all that and never live on mission. For you guys that are going to, to the Dominican, I love missions. We believe in missions here. But here's the thing. You can go do missions trips and still miss the mission of Jesus that he called you to. See, here's what a mission trip should do for you. For you that are going and you that have gone, if you come back more thankful for America, you've missed the point of a mission trip. All right. You should come back with a fire to live on mission even more in the home place that you live. See, here's the deal. When you grasp mission, missions flows from you because everything you do is missions. Everywhere you go is a mission trip. Your trip to the grocery store is a mission trip because you never have no clue who's in line waiting to hear from you, who's waiting to have the gospel shared with them, who the, the, your waitress, when you're going out to eat, it's a missions trip. And you're nice, you're like, yeah, whatever. You mean to her, you tip her well. You share the gospel with her. You let her know Jesus loves her. Let them, let them know Jesus loves them. You see what I'm saying? Everything you do becomes this crazy, cool missions trip where you're living on adventure. And we can easily miss that because of churchianity. But there's a story, and I've shared this before, of a missions director at a church I was at in a, in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. <laughs> and this missions director owned a construction company in that town. And I worked for my dad's concrete company. And I sat in there one day while I was reading my Bible. I'll never forget Mr. Martin Searles came in. And Mr. Martin Searles sat down and said, hey, boy, what you reading? I was telling him. He said, I'll tell you something. There's this man. I don't mention his name. But, man, he just cusses his workers out. He called them every racial slur. And he went through and said all of them. You know, and he said, man, he said, I'm going to tell you something. I'd kill that man if he called me that. And we got in this conversation. I said, what was his name? He was a deacon at our church, and he was our missions director. 
Thousands of dollars he would give to missions. He would go on every mission trip there was available. But he missed the opportunity of mission for the very guys who worked with him, who desperately needed the gospel. And we can easily fall on the same man's tracks where we can be all about something else, all about church, all about a program, all about something, and miss the daily adventure called mission. That's why at Thrive, our vision is 650K. If you walk in, you see 650K, you're like, what is 650K? Are they raising money for something? No, we're not raising money for something. You know what it is? According to the National Association of Religious Data Archives, it says there's 1.25 million people in the metro Richmond area. And that half of them don't identify with any church or any religion. Now, more than, than half don't go to a church. But half of them are unchurched. Half of the people of Richmond. And so our vision is more than just making a great name for a church. It's more than filling a building with people. It's that you and I would engage the 650K out there every time we step out the doors. That you and I on our daily routes would engage the people that are unchurched. And there's reasons that you and I don't do this. And, I, and I'm right here with you. I wish I was better at this. Like sharing the gospel. Can I be honest with you? Some of you are extroverts. Like Mark Thomas who's preached here last week. This guy will talk to anybody about anything. He goes to the bus stop in Richmond for fun, like as a hot, and he just shares the gospel with people. So I'd be terrified. I'll be honest with you, I would. So if you're sitting here saying, man, it's scary, it is scary, but let me share some reasons why the American church, especially, does, why, why we don't share the gospel. Here's some reasons. Write this down. And the first one is this we don't really value the gospel. Now, I know some of you are probably getting mad at me. What do you mean I don't value the gospel? I love church. I think Jesus is awesome. If he's so awesome, why don't others know about him? <laughs> see, see, in America, we value church. We value the historical man of Jesus. We value even the Bible. But we don't value the gospel. Because here's the gospel. The gospel is this. To Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, the son of God was crucified at the hands of Pontius Pilate. That he was killed, he was buried, he rose again on the third day as the prophecies of the Old Testament said. That he was the son of God, he rose, he ascended to heaven, he's at the right hand of God, he's the only way to be made right with our creator. The only way. He, he gives us not only purpose and the Holy Spirit on earth, but he gives us access to heaven. But we can avoid something called hell because it's real. And our churches today don't want to preach about it. And what happens is if that message, if the message of Jesus has impacted you, then you're going to share it. You are going to share it. For me, like, let me give you an illustration. Kind of give you the, the, the illustration. I, you know, I went on this weight loss journey and I refused to do dieting while I did it. Refused. I was like, I don't like diets. Because you know, you've ever done diets? Woo, right? It's like, ooh, rubber band, you did it, and nah, I gained more back. So, so what I did was this. I studied, my, you know, my wife and I got to see a weight loss doctor to figure out nutrition. I didn't know nutrition. I ate corn, mashed potatoes, and bread all in the same meal. And corn was my vegetable. So I'm like, yeah, it is, <laughs> right? 
And my whole life I struggled. And when I found out, you know, the power of nutrition and, and how to understand nutrition and, and good fats and bad fats and good carbs and bad carbs and the power of protein and, and when all it, it literally transformed my life. And so can I tell you something? When I have a friend who we're, we're talking, they say, well, hey, tell me about how that changed you. I'm like, man, I'd love to. I won't sell you anything. I'm not going to sign you up for anything, but it's impacted me at such a great level. I want to help you too. Do you know why I share that with them? Because it impacted me at such a profound level. Do you see where I'm going with this? And when we value the gospel, we say, man, listen. And so you have cues. Just, you have cues from friends. You have cues from people in your life. When they say, I'm going through this type of hard time, I'm dealing with this, say, I've got to tell you about how Jesus has changed my life. I know you're going through that time, but I'm telling you what, he can help you with that. And you begin to share the gospel because the gospel has impacted you. You want the gospel to transform the world because of what it's done for you. And many times we don't share it because we really don't value it. Are you mad at me yet? Okay, good, because you'll get mad at this one. Here's the second reason. Here's the second reason. We love church, but we don't love the unchurched. We love church, but we don't love the unchurched. Like, we love the entertainment, the music, the preaching, the, you know, the, the feel. It's good. And we should. I hope you love church. I hope you love this church. If you go to a church you love, you should. But here's the issue that we face. We don't love the unchurched. We don't value the unchurched in our daily lives. The gospel is meant to bring life to people who don't know Jesus. And one of the reasons that we don't live on mission is because we don't really love the unchurched. We want to be at a Christian job, around Christian people, at a Christian place, hearing Christian music. Uh, you know, and, and what happens is Jesus called us to be salt and be light. Right? But here's the issue. We end up living life where we just salt the salt. Just salt and the salt. More salt upon salt. Or we end up bringing light. We're shining flashlights in a room that's bright. Think about this. He called us to be light. Do you know that darkness is not the opposite of light? Do you know what darkness is? The absence of light. And where there are dark places in the world, there's no light shining in those places to people who desperately need it. And if we, listen, if we are going to live on mission, we've got to love the unchurched. You've got to build friendships with the unchurched. Who are your friends that you're doing church with? I was invited last night to come play cornhole at 9 o'clock. My problem is I was like, I've got to work tomorrow, man. But the very fact that unchurched people who aren't in church today invited me to come hang out with them while they were drinking and playing cornhole, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be sitting around with a bunch of Christians. I want to go hang out with people who don't know Jesus and pray that God would start spiritual conversations. See, we end up bringing light to light and salt to salt. You've got to find people that don't believe what you believe. Maybe they're atheists. Maybe they're agnostic. Maybe they even vote differently than you. Find those people and build friendships with them. And allow God to use you as the light in their life. But I don't like their cussing. I don't like their language. I don't like the fact they, they, they just drown. You don't love the unchurched. Because then you know what Jesus did? Jesus didn't have an outreach program for sinners. 
He was a friend of sinners. And the the religious church of that day hated Jesus because he sat with publicans and sinners. I found out what a publican was this week. I did. I did. I I didn't know what a publican was. Maybe you did. Not not a Republican, a publican. So like, you know, like we're at this restaurant and, and, uh, and anyway, long story short, this guy comes and he sits down in front of us and I saw him at the restaurant that wasn't open in the pub. And we walked, popped in and said, hey, where's the restaurant? He's like, hey, it's down the street. Go down there. So we know in Ireland, we walk down there to the other street. He comes in and sits and I said, um, his name was James. He said, I, I'm the publican down there at the, at, at the pub. I'm the publican. I was like, is he a mayor? What does a publican mean? As he's talking, I'm trying to use context. I'm like, publican pub. Duh, he owns the pub. Jesus hung out at pubs with people who weren't connected to the Jewish religion. That's what he did. And church people, made, oh, this makes me nervous. I just, oh, oh. He loved the unchurched. He loved people who were disconnected from religion. And that's what Jesus did as a church. Can I be honest with you? Here's what we do. Here's our plan. We want to be a church where unchurched people love to attend. We want to be a church where you can bring friends who don't believe it, who think it's stupid, and they're going to come and meet some really nice people, and we're going to do our best to explain to them the gospel in hopes that God would move upon their heart and they would respond to him. We could, listen, I'm glad you love church, but can we start loving the unchurched too? Because that's what Jesus called us to do, live on mission. Here, here's, here's the third reason. Here's the third reason. We miss mission. Oh, actually, we miss mission looking for purpose. We miss mission looking for purpose. I'm just depressed. I can't find my purpose. Can't discover purpose. Did Jesus like, you got to find your purpose? He didn't say that. He called them to live on mission. He called them to live on a daily mission. The disciples didn't have purpose and 40 days of purpose and purpose-driven life and purpose-driven. They just had this, this charge from Jesus to go and as you're going and as you're going, make disciples. You know when discipleship starts? The moment you talk to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, it starts before they even know Jesus. Because you're discipling them on a journey that hopefully they'll come to know him. And so that's what they did. And sometimes we can miss mission trying to find our purpose. You say, well, you know your purpose. You're a pastor. Can I be honest with you? If God took me out of the pastor tomorrow and put me in a job somewhere, it's fine with me. I love what I do. But can I be honest with you? I don't find identity in this. I find identity in mission. All right. And I refuse to be a pastor who never hangs out with people who don't know Jesus. Because I can miss, I can miss mission looking for purpose. I can miss it. So today, there's one thing that we have to do. There's one thing, one step that we have to take, and here it is. One step. I want you to write this in your notes, and we're going to look at Colossians chapter 4. To obey Jesus, we must live every moment on mission. To obey Jesus, because Jesus gave us a command, not a suggestion, right? We must live every moment on mission. Every moment. Making every moment count. And I like what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 4. Write write this down in your notes. That's from the New Living Translation. And Paul wrote this to a community of believers who everybody was unchurched around them. This is first century. Christianity was fledgling. Nobody knew Jesus. And here's what he wrote to them. And I love this. He says in Colossians 4 verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now pause for a second because when you read that, you think, oh yeah, prayer. Prayer is when Christians get together and just huddle up. They just pray. 
and they get isolated from the world. Prayer. Yes, this is talking about prayer. But look at this. This is amazing here. What Paul says. Devote yourselves to prayer and alert mind and a thankful heart. But watch this. How he ties it into mission. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. When I read this, I thought, when's the last time I asked God to give me opportunity to share his plan concerning Christ? When's the last time you posted in Thrive Church prayer group for God help me have open doors to show that? We don't do that, do we? Well, I've got an ingrown toenail and got to go, you know, get, get a heart cast done because, you know, I mean, that's what we pray for in America. But Paul didn't ask for that. And, 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 and he was in chains. He was actually in prison. Did he pray, God, get us out of prison? No, let's keep reading. I love this. This, that is why I am here in change, is in prison for preaching the gospel. Pray that I will proclaim his, this message clearly as I should. And then watch this. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. So you thought that was a, a passage on prayer. It was. It's a passage on prayer for mission. Paul said, pray for me that this message would spread. He said, then I'm praying that we would be wise among unbelievers and that we would see the gospel go forth to them. See, the goal is this. If you're going to live on this daily adventure called mission that Jesus invites us to, that's why this series is called The Invitation, then you and I have to live every moment on mission. We can't just compartmentalize and do it as a program. There are some churches and denominations in America that once were great in the 1800s. And they did a lot of good social justice things, right? Good homeless feeding ministries. And we should. We should feed the homeless. Yeah, we should. We have food ministries. If you need food, we have food. But do you know why churches die in countries? Because the individual stopped living on mission. Do you know why, 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 do you know why churches spring up? In areas where there's no gospel because people live on mission. And we must live every moment on mission. There's a movie from the 80s that some of you young people need to YouTube or Hulu or whatever you do. I don't know, Netflix or maybe it's on there. It's called The Terminator. <laughs> Not only does a pastor preach with a Ramon shirt, he talks about The Terminator, right? You remember Arnold Schwarzenegger. And long story short is this. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I have no clue. Man, this is crazy. Um, it, 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 it's, a, it's a robot from outer space that looks like a man. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And one of the things about the Terminator, it shows a view of him of what he sees. So he's walking around. And if you look on the screen here, you're going to see this. He's looking at this guy. And like, if you look at this guy, you just see this. The Terminator has all these things up here that he sees about this guy. All these numbers going. He sees it totally different than the guy sees it. Because he's a robot, of course, right? He views things totally different than people do. Everything he looks at, calculating, see, calculating, threat, risk, what's it going, scan mode, size of he's assessing everything. What if you and I had Terminator lenses for mission that we're seeing every opportunity, every conversation, every interaction as gospel-centered? What if we viewed our daily life as an adventure called mission? See, I'm going to tell you something. It's slow and it's hard. It's not sexy. It's not, oh man, this is amazing. 
you're literally saying, God, as I build relationships, open doors for the gospel. I'll not kick down the door, but when you open, I promise I'll walk through it. My, my grandfather was a great example of this. Um, he was always retired by the time I was born. <laughs> like, I don't know what he did before, you know, right? But he fixed lawnmowers. He had a big old barn, and people brought lawnmowers to him. And my grandpa shared the gospel with everybody he came in contact with. I didn't like to go eat with grandma because he shared the gospel every time I went. But grandma's cooking was so good, I would sit and listen to it, right? Yeah, I, I gotta have the, whoo, gotta have that stewed beef and rice, y'all. You getting hungry yet? But my grandfather led preachers to Jesus who are now preaching the gospel today. He never had a pulpit. He never had a title. He was Harold who fixed the lawnmowers and he led people to Jesus because he lived on mission. See, when I think about mission in my life, I, I remember when I worked at my dad's concrete company. I wasn't going to school for ministry. I played in a punk rock band. I just loved Jesus. And I remember a friend, my friend Calvin that I met there. And Calvin didn't know the Lord. Matter of fact, he played in a, in a gospel band <laughs> and didn't know Jesus. He told me. He said he quit because like, I, don't really know, I don't know Jesus. And we're all, none of us know Jesus. We're just playing this music. We make some money at it. That's, that happens. So you know, he quit the band and all that. You know, I hung out with Calvin. We, we shoveled together. We worked together. I went and played PlayStation. Well, yeah, PlayStation. <laughs> I went and played PlayStation at his house. Calvin and I built a good friendship. There's something special about Calvin. And I remember the day when I walked across that ravine, the little bridge we had, and the Lord told me, and I've shared this before, he said, Kevin, your congregation are these men who work here at this concrete company. Your sermon is your life. And they'll respond by how you live in front of them. And so Calvin and I did life together. I shared the gospel with people with, with, with sensitivity and integrity. I remember going back a few years later, and Calvin stopped me and said, hey man, he said, I got saved. Wow. Now, if you don't know what that means, that means he, get, he became a follower of Jesus. Like, he, that's the, the southern term. I got, I got saved. He said, man, thank you for never giving up on me and sharing the gospel, even though I didn't want to hear it. I gave my life to Jesus. You know, Calvin never attended a church service with me. Calvin never went to an outreach program. Calvin did none of that. It was relationship where I invested into him and I prayed for him and God redeemed him. Listen, Jesus calls us to live on this thing called mission. You know what's called in Matthew 28? The great commission. Commissions us. But you know what it is? It's a commission. When you accept this thing called mission, Jesus will empower you and be with you on your daily journey. And you're going to see God open doors in your life everywhere you go that you never knew would happen. And you'll see people, maybe, maybe you're not the one who leads them to Jesus, but maybe you're the one who plants a seed, who waters what God had done in their life. Maybe you're the one who they finally see a Christian that they like. There are guys in that punk rock community. Now we have Facebook. We didn't have it back then when I, when I played music. And they get to see all my posts. They get to see everything that I do. And my prayer is that one day these guys who are so far from God will turn.
turn to Jesus because of the relationship. See, we value mission here. And my heart, we leave this door, man. We leave here that we're building relationships with unchurched people. We're bringing them to church. Hey, come sit with me on Sunday. Big events come up. Man, this school supply giveaway. This is a chance for us to live on mission. Find somebody in need. Find somebody and say, you come to church with me. We've got a free bag of school supplies. Do you know a teacher? You tell them. Hey, they're giving away free teacher baskets with gifts in there and supplies just for you, right? Like that's the opportunity to live on mission. I want you to find adventure in your daily life by living on mission. Let's pray. God, this morning, we accept the invitation to live on mission. We accept the invitation, Lord, to go and as we're going, and as we're going, and as we're going on our daily route in life to make disciples. God, may we never lose sight of who you died for once we become the people of your kingdom. That we never lose sight that our purpose is not found in a, in, a, in a position. Our purpose is not found in titles. Our purpose is not found in just what we do in a church. Our purpose is linked intimately to mission. Set our hearts afire for you, Lord. To be on the lookout to every moment, 24-7, to live on mission. God, I pray for every individual under the sound of my voice today. That, Lord, you would give them open doors to share the gospel with friends, with co-workers. May they build friendships with people who are far from you in hopes that they may be close to you one day. God, today, we ask that you would empower us. We need you, Lord. We need you to help us because this is extremely difficult. Holy Spirit, light our path every day. Show us, and as hard-headed as we are, speak to us through our stubbornness to live on mission. And as we're praying today, church, or in this mode of prayer, maybe today you've come to thrive, and it's your time to be the one who surrenders to Jesus, who begins become a follower of Jesus, just like I made that decision 20 years ago. Maybe today's your day to fully surrender. Today, if that's you, there's not a lot you have to do. It's simple. You believe and confess. And maybe you've walked 30,000 steps from God, but you're ever only one step away from him. And today, if you feel like you're far from God and, and, and you don't know the Lord and you want to know the Lord today, you want to start a relationship with Jesus or become a follower of Jesus, it's simple. You believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he's the son of God, the only way to heaven, and that you confess that. So right now, where you're at, if that's you today and you want to make that decision, I'm going to count to three and just slip your hand there and say, Kevin, that's me. I'm making that decision today. I'm going to become a follower of Jesus. I want a fresh start. I want to be saved. I want heaven to be my home. If that's you, one, two, three, that's me, Kevin. That's me. That's me. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Right where you're sitting right now, I want you to pray this after me. It's making a confession of faith. And you just say, Father, I admit I'm a sinner. God, I, I know I cannot save myself. Today, I turn from my sins and I turn to you. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe he's the Son of God. 
I believe he died on the cross and he rose again to wash away my sins. Today I receive the forgiveness of sins. Today I receive the gift of being made right with you, God. Today I receive your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for redeeming me. And it's in your good name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together, man. People made decisions today. Amen.